blessing. Uh, we are thankfully back in person at NC State University. We had our first indoor large group worship time in a year and a half this past Tuesday. So that was a blessing to be able to be back indoors worshiping. And um, we've already gotten to see God at work in the lives of students. We've been able to, um, this semester, already have connections in with people that don't know Christ, people from Hindu backgrounds, people from Germany, people from all over the world. Um, we've also, uh, I was encouraged recently in a one-on-one -on -one where I was meeting with a student who came to faith over the summer through some of the conversations that we had that he was processing. So God is changing lives on the campus. And that isn't a, a win for me or for RUF, but for the kingdom of God and his church. So that is all of our wins. So rejoice and be glad that your God, your King, your Savior is at work here in Fuquay Verena, here in this area, and certainly at NC State University. So thank you for that. Uh, we're going to be looking today at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. So I'll invite you to turn there with me so that you can read along as I read for us God's Word. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. God's word says this, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. It's right, since it's his word, to ask for his help in understanding it. I'm going to pray and invite you to pray along with me in your hearts. God, we praise you because you are powerful and faithful. You are powerful enough that your words bring light into darkness and shape the chaos into order. But we praise you because you are faithful. And even now we pray and trust that you will bring light into the darkness of our hearts and shape the chaos of our souls into the order of being a child of the Father. We pray that by your word and spirit, you would work in these ways for Jesus' sake. Amen. Growing up, I thought that this was a cute story. And it's easy to think about this as a cute story, this kind of small of stature man that, that gets up in a tree to, to see Jesus. And you may have even sung the song that I learned in Sunday school about Zacchaeus being a wee little man and a wee little man was he. But as I've grown in my understanding of this passage, I see that this isn't really a cute story. 
But it's a powerful story of a desperate man. A powerful story of a man who was lost and a Savior who comes to seek and to save the lost. It's easy in this passage to get caught up in the cuteness of the story and not miss the drama, the power of what we see here. But Luke puts this passage right before the cross because he wants us to see the drama so that we understand the heart of our Savior. The heart of the Savior who is God who comes into this earth to seek and to save sinners. Here in this passage, he shows us the heart of Jesus, the one who came to seek and to save desperate people like Zacchaeus, desperate people like us. Today, as we look at this passage, the outline is this, desperate people look for Jesus. And that's what Zacchaeus was. He was a a desperate man. And and Luke wants us to see this in the way that he frames the passage. In verse 1 of this passage, he says, He, which is Jesus, entered Jericho as was passing through. And behold, he says, there was a man named Zacchaeus. With that phrase, behold, he's trying to bring you into the drama, get your attention to be focused in on the nature of Zacchaeus. So I think to understand the drama of this passage, it'd be helpful to reflect a little bit on Zacchaeus, to understand a bit of what Luke would have expected people in this time to understand about a man like Zacchaeus. As he describes for us Zacchaeus in this passage, he tells us that he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now, this job as chief tax collector meant that he was kind of at the top of a pyramid. So being the chief tax collector, that he would send out tax collectors to collect money, and then he would collect money from those tax collectors. And that meant that he got to swipe off the cream of the top of everybody's money. And this made him to be rich and wealthy. And Luke also highlights that this is all taking place in Jericho, where Zacchaeus would have lived. And Jericho was the Palm Springs of Israel. It was literally called in the Bible the City of Palms because it was this lush oasis in the midst of an arid climate. And people would want to live in Jericho because it was such a a beautiful and refreshing place to live. The rich and the powerful would build their, their vacation houses in Jericho. So like Herod the Great, the ruler of Israel who Uh, sought to kill the infant Jesus and built the the temple that Jesus would have seen and known in his day, he built his winter palace in Jericho. Jericho was the place that you wanted to live if you had wealth, if you had power. And Zacchaeus had that, and he went, and he was living in Jericho, living the life that a lot of us think, man, if I had that kind of life, I would be happy. If I had enough money that I didn't have to worry about money in a, a nice house down by the coast... I would be happy. But despite having these things, Luke wants us to see that Zacchaeus was a desperate man. And the way that he shows the desperation of Zacchaeus is the fact that Zacchaeus climbs a tree. Now, how does that show desperation? It shows desperation because this is an honor and shame culture. This is where you showed your power. You showed your glory in acting in an honorable way. And for Zacchaeus to climb up that tree, in a sense, was humiliation. And perhaps we don't kind of get that because we think of climbing a tree as more of like maybe a childish thing to do or a whimsical thing to do. But when was the last time you climbed a tree? The last time I climbed a tree was when I was putting Christmas lights up last December in one of our trees outside. 
And when I was up there, there was a neighbor that I saw walking along the road and I went and leaned back into the tree because I didn't want him to see me and think, what is that middle-aged man doing up in a tree? He's gonna break his neck. I felt a little bit self-conscious and awkward just being up there because I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't be up in a tree. Now for Zacchaeus, it was a tenfold sense of shame to be climbing up in this tree because in one way it acknowledges that, that he's not doing what a respectable person would do, but also highlights his own weakness in being a man that is, as Luke says, small of stature. But it shows us, in a sense, a level of desperation of Zacchaeus. It shows us, in a sense, a longing, a desire that wasn't being satisfied with his wealth, with his power. It shows us that there was something that he knew that he needed, that he was willing to let go, any sense of cultural appropriateness, just so that he could catch a glimpse of Jesus. But why? Why might Zacchaeus be this desperate? Well, in highlighting the fact that he's a chief tax collector, Luke is going to understand that you would think of him as a bad guy. That if you were reading Luke's gospel, that you would think of him as someone who, who you didn't want to be a friend with, who was clearly an enemy. The tax collectors in those days aren't just like IRS agents that you might think of as kind of maybe a little fearful because you're worried about an audit or because you don't like taxes that much. They were seen as people that were betraying their own neighbors. Think of it this way. Imagine if North Korea invaded our country and they began to demand that everyone give them their taxes and one of your neighbors becomes a collector for North Korea and would come and knock at your door and demand that you give money and demand not just that you give what North Korea asks, but above and beyond that. Wouldn't you begin to get resentful and angry at that neighbor? That's what a tax collector was like in this society. That's what tax collectors did. And Zacchaeus wasn't even just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. And he would have been colluding with Rome and taking away the rightful property of the people of Israel. And so he was seen as an enemy of the people, an enemy of Israel. And that's why when Jesus picks him, it says the people grumbled. The people were bothered that Jesus would ever want to recognize someone like Zacchaeus even more so to go into his house, to give him the dignity of dining with him, the people grumbled because they couldn't believe that Jesus would want to fellowship with someone like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' desperation may have been because he was shunned by people around him, that he was viewed like some people view people like Matt Laura, Matt Laura or Louis C.K., people that have been shunned in our society because of their own sins. But Zacchaeus probably just didn't feel like he wasn't accepted. He probably felt inside a gap between who he was and who he was supposed to be. One of the interesting things about this passage is the way that names play a part. In verse 1, it says, or verse 2, it says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Named Zacchaeus. And that name Zacchaeus is uh, from the Hebrew, which has this meaning, clean, pure, just. Zacchaeus' name is clean, pure, just. 
Perhaps his parents gave him that name with that hope that, that he would grow up to be a child of Abraham that, that reflected the justice of God, the purity, the holiness of God, the, the reflection of his character in the way that he lived. He would have grown up knowing about the law of God, being taught daily what it looked like to honor the justice of God and what his holiness would look like in this society. He was named clean, pure, just. And here he was doing injustices in his society, living for himself. And don't you wonder if every time he heard that name Zacchaeus, if it wasn't like a little dart in his heart. Because every time it would remind him that he was born to be just, and yet he was living an unjust life. He was born to be pure, but inside he was filled with impurity. Zacchaeus was a man who was named pure, but was deeply impure. And you have to wonder if that is what was going on inside of Zacchaeus, that, that sense of of desperation that would drive him up that tree was the awareness of the gap between who he was supposed to be and who he was. The gap of the sense of his own calling to be clean and pure and just and the reality that he was an unjust man. But often it's that same sense for us that brings us to desperation, isn't it? That sense of gap between what ought and what is whether it's in our own sense of weakness and sin when we yell at our kids out of anger, when we want to love them and be kind to them. The own sense of gap that we see when we have a friend that we notice that we told them we would pray for them, and then we forgot completely. That sense of gap and desperation that comes to us when we think back to our past and we remember certain things that we've done and they seem like an indelible stain on our soul and we wonder, can God really forgive such a sin like that? Or even the sense of gap that we feel at times in our own life when we feel anxious about the things that we're being asked to do, and we expect of ourselves to be able to do those things, but we know inside that we feel weak and helpless. Or even the gap that we experience in the world around us as we see the lingering presence of COVID-19, and we think that we shouldn't live in a world where we have to wear masks and where we have to socially distance and where we can't come and fully gather in the worship of God where we see the gap in our society, when we see things like sexual immorality seeming to grow and become accepted, we know that it should not be. Where we see things like racism that seems to linger in our country, and we know it should not be, but it is. We see these gaps and we begin to feel weak. We begin to feel desperate. But the beautiful thing about this passage is Luke invites us to see Zacchaeus, to see his desperation, because he doesn't want us to linger on Zacchaeus. But he wants us to bring our eyes to Jesus. That's why he doesn't start with Zacchaeus. He starts with Jesus, and he starts with the way that Jesus comes into this passage. 
because he wants us to see the way that Jesus enters into the life of Zacchaeus like a hero coming to rescue someone who's in danger. This is, in some commentators' views, the climax of Luke's gospel. This very passage is the climax because it demonstrates to us the heart of a Savior that comes as a hero to rescue broken people in a broken world. That is what we see in this story. What we see in this story is the arrival of a hero, like Dumbledore coming into the Ministry of Magic to rescue Harry from Voldemort, like Gandalf riding into Helm's Deep as the orcs are about to overwhelm the good guys, as as even, as you may have seen in Frozen, the way that Elsa jumps in front of Anna to save her life. Jesus is that kind of hero coming in the times of desperation to bring redemption. But the way that we see Jesus as the hero is because of the desperation of Zacchaeus. It's when we see Zacchaeus stopping trying to save himself that we see Jesus showing up. And this is what we need to realize for ourselves in this passage. That Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost. And the beauty of this story is that when Zacchaeus stopped looking out for himself, Jesus comes into his life. When he stops trying to build up his life with his wealth and his power, but embraces the humiliation of climbing that tree, acknowledging his desperation, Jesus shows up. Jesus was coming through Jericho, not just happening to pass through that town, but coming in a sense with a purpose, coming to rescue Zacchaeus from himself, coming to rescue this desperate man with salvation. And Luke writes this story in a way as a rescue mission, pointing out that Jesus is not elusive in this passage, but intentional in the way that he interacts with Zacchaeus. He's coming to find the one who was shunned and embrace him, pursuing the one that was rejected. Jesus finds Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus doesn't find Jesus. It's not that Zacchaeus found Jesus by getting into that tree, but Jesus finds Zacchaeus and gets him out of that tree. Jesus entered Jericho for Zacchaeus, and as he was passing through, he came to find him. And isn't it interesting to notice that Jesus called him by his name? He called him by his name. How did he know his name? It's because he was there for him. It was there because he was looking for him. Luke tells us that Jesus looked at him. He looked at him. And I think it's a powerful thing to think about just how that would have meant so much to Zacchaeus. He was trying to just catch a glimpse of this Savior passing by, but instead he sees the Savior looking for him, locking eyes, and this one who has been marginalized and shamed that people in good society would turn away from finds the Savior looking towards him. Jesus came to look for him. And then what does he do when he sees him? What is the heart of the Savior for the lost? He moves in. He moves into his life. So when Jesus looks and he finds him, he says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. Jesus chooses him, singles him out to receive the honor of the presence of the rabbi. 
this well-known teacher and healer that everybody wanted to have come and be in their house. That's why they grumbled that he would choose Zacchaeus. Everybody wanted the honor of this rabbi to come and to be with them. And this, in a way, is at the height of, height of Jesus' popularity. As he's about to go into Jerusalem and about to have people lay down palm branches and again desire to see Jesus be their king, at the height of their popularity, who does he want to dine with? Among the wealthy and the powerful, who does he want to dine with? Among the respectable and the elite, who does he want to dine with? Zacchaeus, the sinner. Jesus says to him, I must come to your house. I choose you. I want to be with you. I want to move into your life. This is the Jesus that Luke wants us to see. This is the Jesus whose heart Luke wants us to understand, the one who comes to seek and to save the lost. There in verse 10, Luke encapsulates for us the nature of Jesus, the nature of God. That he's not one that seeks out the powerful and the people that have their act together. That he's not the one that comes to save the healthy, but the sick. That he's not the one that comes and gives glory to those who have worked hard, but he comes and gives glory to those who are desperate. And Zacchaeus, I think, was willing to see Jesus, wanting to see Jesus because he knew this about him. If you go and you read Luke's gospel from cover to cover, you would realize that there's something interesting about it is that it never talks poorly of tax collectors. If you go and read Luke's gospel, every mention of a tax collector is in a sense at least neutral, if not positive. And that would have been something that Zacchaeus would have noticed. To hear about this great rabbi who didn't avoid tax collectors, but welcomed them. He would have learned about Jesus' heart through hearing about the way that he related to the sinners like him. And that opened up his heart to want to see Jesus. That opened up his heart to want to know what this Savior was like, to look at him. And that's what we need too, to be able to want to see Jesus. It comes when we believe or think that Jesus just might want to be a part of our life too. That Jesus just might be as kind as we have heard, as gracious as people say. But the remarkable thing about this passage is that Jesus wasn't just kind to Zacchaeus. It wasn't just that he kind of acknowledged him and noticed him with a politeness but he powerfully enters into his life. He comes and he asks Zacchaeus to come down from that tree, and then he tells us why. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the text says, they grumbled, he's gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus, wanting to make Jesus to know that he doesn't want to be a sinner anymore, says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I defrauded anyone, if anything, I restore it fourfold. And then Jesus says this, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. There Jesus shows us why he had to come, why he called him out of that tree. He called him out of that tree because he didn't want to just be polite and nice to Zacchaeus. He wanted to bring him salvation. He wanted to bring salvation into the life of Zacchaeus, bring salvation into his house. He wanted to do it to make him to be the child of Abraham he was born to be. He did it to make his name real. So that when he was called Zacchaeus, he would feel it being real of him. Not because of him donating back his fraudulently earned money to the poor, but because Jesus had come into his life. Zacchaeus had to come down from that tree so that salvation could come into his house. But he also had to come down from that tree so that Jesus could go up it. You know, Luke does place this right before the cross. Right before Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Right before he does climb up a tree on behalf of Zacchaeus. And that tree, Paul tells us in Galatians 3, is a tree that all of us deserve. All of us deserve to be placed in a tree. He tells us in Galatians 3 that cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the law and do them. We are cursed because we do not live the full reality of what we are supposed to be. All of us fail to live up to our nature as creatures of God, we all deserve a curse like Zacchaeus. But Paul tells us in Galatians 3 that Christ redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. There Paul says, because Jesus climbs up the tree of the cross, he takes onto himself the curse that all of us deserve. The curse that certainly Zacchaeus knew he deserved. Jesus took on to himself all of the unjust actions of Zacchaeus, all of his exhortation, uh, extortion, all of his selfishness, all of his greed, all of his impurity, all of his uncleanliness, so that all of the curse that belonged on Zacchaeus would be placed on him to make him to be truly clean truly pure, truly just, truly blessed through the work of Jesus. Jesus made him to be the true son of Abraham by becoming the son who was sacrificed by the father so that through Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, the world would be blessed and that his blessings would go as far as the cursed is found. And Jesus did this because he was desperate. Desperation drove Zacchaeus up that tree and desperation drove Jesus up the tree. He was desperate to be with Zacchaeus to bring salvation to his house. He says, hurry, hurry. Jesus wasn't wanting to linger and wait on Zacchaeus to sit in his guilt to sit in his shame, but hurry, he wanted him to come down so that salvation could enter into his house. And this is what Jesus wants for us. 
He doesn't want us to linger in our guilt and shame as though we have to fix it, to linger away from him as though he wouldn't want to be with us. He wants us to hurry to be with him. It's only when we stop looking at ourselves and start looking to Jesus that really we can experience the blessings that he brings for us by becoming a curse on our behalf. We see this in Zacchaeus' life and the way that he does respond to Jesus. And it's not that Jesus says, before I come into your house, we have to get this whole money thing right. But because Jesus comes into his house, he wants to get right in the way that he was unjust to become more just. As he sees the glory of the Savior, as he experiences the joy of his salvation, he wants to repent. Paul reminds us that God's kindness leads to repentance. And in this passage, we see Jesus' kindness leading him to repentance. When the joy of Jesus filled his heart, the money fell out of it. And he didn't need to hold on to that money anymore because Jesus was filling his heart. As one commentator says about this, grace walked in the front door and selfishness scampered out of the back. As Jesus' glory filled the heart of Zacchaeus, he didn't need to rest and trust on the glory that he thought money and power would bring. The kindness of Jesus led him to repentance. But it was when he could see Jesus' character, his goodness, his love, that he was willing to let go of what he was grasping hold to. The power and money that he thought would bring him what he wanted. And this is the path that we walk as Christians in our life. How Jesus relates to Zacchaeus is how he relates to us. We are called to be people who look for Jesus in our desperation because he alone is salvation. Just as Jesus said to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. Salvation can come to our house too. Because Jesus is inviting himself into our life. And it's important to remember that it's not that we're saved by a thought, but we're saved by a person. We're not saved by what we do, we're saved by a hero by the Jesus that comes into our life. And as we remember this, not only does it challenge us to think about what we would rather have in our heart than Him, but it also comforts us with a sense of hope that this is the nature of our God, to be a hero that comes into our life of desperation. And that's part of the beauty of gathering together Sunday after Sunday is because we come in here feeling our weakness, feeling our anxiety, feeling our desperation, and needing to be reminded that the world doesn't rest on our shoulders. That the hope for our salvation is not in us, but is in the Savior that brings salvation to us. And this is why the Bible ends so beautifully. In the midst of the, the challenging images of the book of Revelation, how does it end? It ends with, come Lord Jesus. The refrain, come Lord Jesus, is the refrain that should be on all of our lips. 
as we see the horrible images in Afghanistan, as we, we brace for another impact of a Category 4 hurricane, as we think about tomorrow and the anxieties that our work brings, as we think about our children and the way that they may not be living up to our hopes, as we think about our own weakness in our life, as we try to live holy lives, but we see the presence of sin seemingly strong in our life. What do we cry? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And that helps us to have hope because we know his character. We know the nature of our Savior is the one who always comes to seek and to save the lost. He's a hero that loves to come and rescue the desperate. And so we have joy in darkness because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light to our heart. And this is what we need in this life where we often feel that gap between what ought and what is. As we feel the sense of curse that seems as close to us as our own skin, to know that we have a Savior that came and took that curse onto himself so that he could make us to be in this world to be what it ought to be. Let us pray. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a Savior and that you came into this world to redeem it. Help us to rest in your salvation. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to respond together to the preaching of God's word by singing a hymn of praise, hymn number 472, Come Ye Sinners Poor and Wretched. Would you stand and sing with me? Jesus ready stands to save you.
God, you have a Father who loves you. People of God, you have a Savior that seeks you. Hear this benediction as a word from the triune God, a reminder of his love and faithfulness. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Go in his peace. Amen.